Many people today feel like marriage is not for them and that there are no benefits to it. But God gave Adam a precious gift in the Garden of Eden, and that is his wife. We're going to be talking about that today on Love God First. Welcome back. We're still in the beginning chapters of Genesis, but there's so much here, especially for today. We're talking about the very first marriage. And I'm kind of preaching to the choir a little bit today. I recognize that probably many of you are committed Christians, probably many are married, but I'm hoping that some of you will share this podcast and the next one with people who are kind of teetering on the edge of, well, should I even get married or not? I don't even, I don't even know if it's something that I want to consider in my life. You know, people, you probably know people who think that, and I'm hoping that those who could or should get married will. And I'm also hoping for those who are married to be encouraged and keep staying engaged and present in their marriage. So those are the two objectives I have today. Big objectives, actually really something only the Lord can do, but I can throw in my small amount of input into that. So let's pray. God, you are the originator and designer of marriage, and we thank you that you're giving us a glimpse into the very first marriage today. Help us, Holy Spirit, to learn what we can from it, not just for our own selves and lives, but for the good of our society and for an understanding of how you made marriage precious and good. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to start reading Genesis 2 verses 18 to 25. Then I'm going to comment afterwards and we'll talk a little bit more about marriage in general. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and were not ashamed. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Probably a very familiar passage for many of you. Let's step back and remember where we are right now. Kind of remember the setting. Adam has been created He's been moved to the Garden of Eden, which has been prepared for him. And just so we understand how beautiful it was, I'm going to read an excerpt from John Milton's book, Paradise Lost. Now, this is a pretty difficult poem. I'm admitting this to you, but it's so beautiful. The description of the Garden of Eden that Milton presents here, it it invokes imagery in our minds. And it's helpful, I think, as we go forward to understand a point I want to bring out later. So you just have to trust me. And you know, you're not going to go and find paradise lost yourself. You need me. You need me to bring these things into your life, right? So let me read this excerpt from this book. It was written hundreds of years ago. And it's just coming in 
Remember those verses we read last podcast about the rivers flowing out of Eden? Well, that's where we're picking it up from that river that is flowing through Eden and watering all of the plants. From that sapphire fount, the crisped brooks rolling on orient pearl and sands of gold, with mazy error under pendant shades ran nectar, visiting each plant and fed flowers worthy of paradise, which not nice art in beds and curious knots, but nature boon poured forth profuse on hill and dale and plain, both where the morning sun first warmly smote the open field and where the unpierced shade embrowned the noontide bowers. Thus was this place, a happy rural seat of various view, groves whose rich trees wept odorous gums and balm, others whose fruit, burnished with golden rind, hung amiable and of delicious taste. Betwixt them lawns or level downs and flocks grazing the tender herb were interposed, or palmy hillock, or the flowery lap of some irriguous valley spread her store, flowers of all hue, and without thorn the rose. Isn't that beautiful? You can kind of picture in your mind how the Garden of Eden may have looked. Now, why would I read that? I want to convey how gorgeous it was in the Garden of Eden. It was beautiful. And also, God was with Adam. This was a great setup. It couldn't have been better. It was perfect in every way. That's why it's so amazing to read verse 18 again, which I'm going to do, where the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It's remarkable. The Lord alone wasn't sufficient enough to complete Adam's life. That's still true. We can't solo with God. We need the body of Christ. We need people. Remember during COVID when everybody was on lockdown and my family and I were watching a movie. I don't even remember which movie it was, but there was a scene where a person walked into this room filled with people. Some kind of a party was going on. And I remember I had this emotional reaction to seeing this large group of people. I wanted to be in a crowd of people. I longed for that. Isn't there a deep human need in us not to be alone? We need the companionship of other people. And so did Adam. Adam needed the companionship of another person. So God wants Adam to have a suitable helper, his equal. And notice it's not found among animals. So as great as a pet can be, we need more. And it's not a child either. It's a wife. It's one wife. Now, Eve gets a bad rap and she really messed up in the next chapter. We're going to see that she really tanked. And I completely know this, but let's just suspend judgment of Eve just for a moment and look at her creation just for a second and appreciate something. One commentary points out as as the Lord is creating over these six days, he moves to higher and higher life forms. So he starts off with plants, then fish, then land animals, then Adam, and finally Eve, the culmination. And she was fashioned from Adam, not dust of the ground. She was made from Adam. And if you look at the breakdown of the amount of verses that describe Eve's creation, there are, there are five verses. You know how many Adam gets? One. He gets one. So Eve is special and wonderful. Now, after 
her creation, the author spends two more verses in this chapter to talk a little bit more about marriage. And that's what I want to shift to now is how did God design marriage based on verses 24 and 25. So I'm going to read those one more time. It says, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Notice one man, one woman. That's the way God designed marriage. And I want to point out too that phrase, one flesh, become one flesh. What does one mean there? Well, it obviously means one, same, but it stresses unity while recognizing diversity within that oneness. So it's not like a husband or a wife are going to try to convert the other into being them, but it's so each of their strengths and differences can enhance that relationship. They're each bringing things to the marriage that are going to enhance And there's a bond between husband and wife. Notice in verse 24, it says, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and his mother. So there is a bond greater than parent to child between the husband and the wife. And a husband cleaves to his wife. You know, you don't hear that word very much, cleave. You're not like, hey, I'm going to cleave to someone. You just don't hear it, right? But what it means is Adam is clinging to his wife in affection And in loyalty, there's a bond of commitment there. And then they're naked and not ashamed. Now, I happen to think that Adam and Eve were surrounded by the Shekinah glory of God and that they couldn't see their nakedness fully based on other areas of the Bible where there are all these people that encounter the glory of God. Think about Moses going up on Mount Sinai and being with the Lord for many days. And then he comes down and his face is all glowing and he has to wear that covering because Israel's afraid of him. Or Paul on the road to Damascus when he meets meets Jesus and looks straight into the light that's surrounding Jesus and goes blind because of that light. And then at the end of the Bible in Revelation where it says that God is going to release his glory so much that we don't need the sun. So it kind of makes sense that this pre-sin environment, this perfect world, this ideal world will have the glory of God there shining all around. So last, notice God invented sex. Just have to put that in. And it was before the fall. It's a gift to a husband and wife. It's a gift to them only. So all of those things tell us a little bit more about marriage in those two verses. Isn't that a lot? So we're seeing how God designed marriage, that there's this bond of commitment, this tying of the soul, as it were, And it's a strong and unique commitment compared to other human relationships. There's a oneness to it. There's a unity. So then the question becomes, why aren't more people getting married? Now, I'm going to shift to talk a little bit about that, about why is marriage the best alternative for people and why it will always be that best alternative. And I especially want to persuade young people who are thinking about married marriage, or maybe they're thinking, maybe I won't get married, or maybe I'll just live with someone. I have a friend who works in at Amazon in Seattle, and he used to be a family and marriage pastor. And he talked to some people that were working at Amazon there who are going to want to get married. And he was saying to them, oh, that's so great. I'm so glad you're going to be blessed. And he's talking about how great marriage is. And they said, you know, you're the only person who has said anything good about us wanting to get married. Everyone else is saying not to do it or that it's bad. 
Isn't that interesting? Pew Research Center says that in 1970, 67% of Americans were married with kids. Now in 2021, 50 years later, 37% of people are married. 37%. More people are choosing to either not get married ever or settle for living together. And I have to say there are some people who the Lord calls to stay single and serve him. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 7, but the majority of people used to get married. The majority did. So I'd like to make a case for marrying, especially as opposed to living together, obviously, but also just as opposed to never marrying, because I think it has to be said, if only 37% of people are married, there is quite a shift in our society. So first, for those who are not married yet, but who could be or should be married, why should you consider marrying? It's a great question. And I hate to do this to you, but I'm going to leave you hanging right there because we're out of time. This is a definitely a two-part podcast. But what I want to do is challenge you to come back and find out, especially for those who are considering maybe not getting married or considering, well, maybe I'll just find something else to do. It's not that great. It's not that important. For those of you who are in that camp, please come back and listen to the next podcast. And for those of you who are married, please come back also, because we're going to talk about some great things that are going to encourage you and hopefully strengthen your marriage. Really, the next podcast is for all. Married, unmarried. All right, just come back. That's what I'm saying. Just come back. I feel a bit of a burden from the Lord to pray for those young people, especially maybe from 18 to 30, who don't want to be married. And so we're going to pray for them right now. I hope you join me in this. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for the bond of marriage. We thank you that you're showing us some really important things in this passage in Genesis 2, and we want to learn from it. And we pray for the lie that says that marriage is no longer worth doing. It's no longer beneficial. And we pray for a shifting of hearts for those who could or should get married. Lord, those who you've called to get married, we ask for openness of heart to commit to a lifelong relationship. We ask for blessing and for your will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast, please follow me and do a high rating so we can get more people interested in Love God First. And if you have questions I haven't answered yet, feel free to email me at lovegodfirstpodcast at gmail.com. That's lovegodfirstpodcast at gmail.com.